0: Welcome to the Two World Podcast, where you can hear thoughts and reflections on unique intersections between faith and culture. Tune in regularly for this foray into feelings of surprise and interconnectedness and aha moments in life when two worlds come together. Now join your hosts, Barney and Jacob, for this most recent episode.
1: Welcome to this edition of the Two World Podcast. Uh, My name is Ken, and I'm blessed to be part of the podcast on this day, which could be sort of in essence called a a holiday edition of the Two World Podcast, as you will soon see. Um, We wholeheartedly welcome our two co-hosts. Hi, everybody. I'm Jacob.
2: And I'm Barney.
1: And we hope you will enjoy today's podcast.
0: One of the things that we're really excited about for today is this particular episode of Northern Exposure that touches on the theme of Christmas, but so many other themes too. And so maybe I could just ask as we get started, Barney, could you tell us what the title of today's episode is?
2: Yeah, I was thinking about that throughout the day that... um up until, up until now, we have kind of um, uh, had a time in our shows where we kind of analyzed the titles and tried to get at what the writers were going at. And I've been thinking about that today too, wondering if the writers were just trying to be clever with the title, or maybe as we talk more, if there is something deeper to the meaning that they chose. So um, the title is um Soulmates. And, um, the reason why I wondered if they're being clever is because the soul in soulmates is spelled as, um, S E O U L the same mm-hmm. as the cap- capital city of, um, South Korea. And, um, that really leads into the main topic of the main, one of the main storylines of our episode today.
1: I tended to think they were, they were being clever because mm-hmm. it's so much more than, um, If you didn't view the episode and just thought, oh, an episode about uh, some connection with South Korea. And, uh, you know, there is a lot more. It's clever.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I kind of was wondering when this episode was suggested, you both were very quick to say, uh, yes, this is definitely one of the ones we want to do. And I'm trying to remember, which of the two of you suggested it first? Do you remember?
1: I think it was you, Barney, because you really declared it to be uh, quite possibly your your very favorite. Mm. I'm sure it was in my little list, but.
2: Yeah, I, I think that when we were um, batting around the idea of having this uh, as a regular kind of repeating um, uh, kind of feature within the podcast, we came up with. Exactly like our lists of our favorite shows because we we couldn't do all six seasons maybe, but um for sure thinking about looking at all the the synopses of the different episodes and trying to put those into a top ten which became a top eleven or top twelve or so, um yeah as Ken mentioned this one was was near the top if not number one for sure or maybe a tide for number one and then um. Again, we originally thought about doing a different episode. Then it dawned on me, um, oh boy, this one will be uh, in December when we talk about this episode. We must do um, the their kind of unaf- their kind of Christmas episode. You know, the neat thing about Northern Exposure is they they directly deal with a few different holidays, but they only do it once. You know, there's no reoccurring Christmas episode or Halloween episode. They do have a Halloween episode and a Thanksgiving episode, but they only talk about that holiday or that tradition um, directly only one time throughout the six seasons. And this happens to be the time where, um, I mean, how does the episode open? It opens with pictures of ravens, you know, stylized ravens in, in the Pacific Northwest. Probably, I don't know if we can assume, but probably Tlingit style of art. Um, being hung around the town and right away we're thinking there's christmas lights but then there's also these black birds going up here and what is this episode going to be about and thankfully we have chris to kind of usher us in to the tradition um mm. that that we get introduced to um of how the raven is connected with the christmas season in sicily
1: right yeah and then yeah it, it's a great lead in uh, to the eventuality of Marilyn um, giving us the story on on a personal note, Barney, um, wife Angie and I, this one is already um, out in our Christmas pile of videos that some, you know, families watch as a traditional thing. It's, it's one that we just never miss because it's uh, unlike any other.
2: Right. Yeah. I, I have, I, again, this is one thing that I'm always excited to talk with other people about because I haven't had the chance to do that with these Northern Exposure episodes, but it's really one that I always look forward to. And um, I I thought maybe I had caught or thought about everything that that there was to think about in the episode, but um, watching it, um, thinking about how we would discuss it today, then I realized that there's probably even more that I missed. and thinking about it from kind of the point of view of how we'll talk about today, then I realized, yeah, I think there really is a lot more to it than what I even thought that there was. Yeah, I yeah, agree. Um, yeah, how how did how did the episode, can you kind of think back maybe to the first few times that you saw it? How, how did it strike you, do you think, right away, or off um, your initial kind of reactions?
1: Hmm. Um. When thinking about this is happening to Maurice and dismissing the elements of Christmas, um, I felt it fit well with his character. He's He is the, quote, worldly guy. Um, he was in Korea, he, he is military, he is aviation. And that this might occur um, was certainly no surprise that he, he might have a child somewhere. Um, and the the way they the way they bring his um, son into it um, as an adult, I thought was particularly impressive. That Maurice is not de- dealing with a child here; he's going to have to deal with this person as an adult. And they also give dialogue for um, Maurice as to um, the loneliness at Christmas time. The suicide rate increases. And it becomes clear that they're providing this opportunity for him to to be not lonely but yet the way he responds initially is no surprise at all what are your feelings of
2: yeah that's interesting because um yeah exactly he 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 gives that speech to chris right in the very first scene i think when um he says how um, you know, every kind of following with your um, first point there, you know, he says, like, every other day of the year, you know, you feel like you're important and like, you know, what you have and what you do and who you are is what makes you. And then suddenly Christmas comes around and you don't have a family. And he, he pointed out, you know, you feel like somehow you're the vagrant now. You're the one who's looking in, you know, with jealousy and longing at the, at the things that these other people have. And, and it didn't, it never, I never put it together. It didn't occur to me that he's saying that he wants a family and that in the episode he gets what he wants. He gets a family. I never put that together that he's saying so very early at the beginning of the episode that this is kind of his Christmas wish. And, Mm -hmm. um, and it isn't too long that, that he gets it. And um, yeah, like you say, he, he reacts the way that we think that Maurice of course would react to something like this.
1: Right. And I enjoyed the fact that they utilize the wisdom of Chris in then two subsequent important conversations. One about the concentric circles. And as you move away from the center, you become closer to the other. And Chris kind of finalizing that conversation by saying it's learned behavior Maurice and it can be unlearned. And then the revealing um, right there, you know, right in your face of Maurice's uh, prejudice when Chris says that he's not white and how Maurice eventually deals with that and reconciles.
2: Oh yeah, what a scene, Um, Uh, a number of times in my, uh, um, my my studies for um, my master's degree, um, you know, we came across this idea of the other. And I think that maybe it was kind of a new idea for some of my classmates. But of course, for me, right away, it's like, oh, yeah, it's from soulmates. Uh-huh. And um, the thing that, so I, I, I even right, mentioned that um, episode a few times in class discussions, but, um, and one of my professors thought, boy, this Northern Exposure series is something that I need to look into <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes you really do but um, but yeah that that scene is huge it is one of the top top scenes of the whole series for sure maybe beyond this show itself and I think that one of the most powerful things about that scene is when Chris lays it out for him and Maurice is kind of thinking what's your point? And then Chris says, well, it's learned behavior, you know, you can unlearn it. And then Maurice, you know, the actor for Maurice does this great job doing kind of a double take or a, he hesitates. He's about to argue. He's about to to put forth his point of view that he's still right. And he closes his mouth and he realizes that he's wrong and that Chris is right and and he has been wrong for the whole episode and he needs to reevaluate the way that he's been the approach that he's taken to, to learning about having this family, having them stay at his house. I, I love
1: that you pointed out the the hesitancy where he begins to speak. Uh, it's almost akin to the, um, the uh, scene then near the end of the program um, with, with grandma, with mom, where he, he finally reconciles himself to the wonderful person she is. And then there's that hesitation there where he looks into the into her eyes and says, How are you?
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: If your eyes don't well up.
2: <laughs> mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: It was just crafted so beautifully to, to say yeah. he is, he can and will change a bit.
2: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How how did some of in in your opinion, Jacob? How how was it for you to, you know, it's a lot to take in. Ken and I have the benefit of having seen this episode so many times that, you know, you probably felt like maybe a ton of bricks was hitting you throughout this episode with all <laughs> that, that that they're they're throwing at you. How how what were some of the things that you gleaned and uh, really absorbed as you were watching this episode?
0: Well, at first, um, with the Maurice storyline, I was very nervous that he was going to offend and really hurt the feelings of um, his his family that he didn't know about. And from the moment he meets them, you know, when he's asking, what do you want? And his his, uh, posture is very um, incredulous and um, adversarial almost, or skeptical, I, I thought, oh, no, like, I just, I was cringing. But then I, I kind of have learned that this show has a soft side to it. <laughs> and so they put you in an uncomfortable situations. But a lot of times, there's something like redemptive or good that comes out of them. So I, I kind of, even though I was nervous, I'm like, there's probably something that's going to happen in this journey. Um, that's good. So, um, but no, I, I think that that was a very um, important and beautiful part of the episode, and um, just the purity of intention of Maurice's son, who wants to meet his father, and you kind of realize that as you go through the episode and see them start to know one another, and when they arm wrestle, or when they're sh- they're trying to communicate through um, you know signs and simple phrases that. Um, that he just really desires to to know his biological father and and that comes through to Maurice and that softens his heart and um, and I love too how Maurice's grandson um, that he didn't know about quickly, seems to plug into the town and his um, you know, going places with people you know and um, uh, with Ed, I think, or at certain points, he's um, go- going here, there, and just his own curiosity. He's a little bit more capable of navigating the situation because of his command of English. But um, it's neat to see his presence too. Um, all, all three of them, uh, all three in that uh, family—the the grandson, the son, and the and the mother—all have a unique way of relating to Maurice, and each kind of softens him, I think. Um, although the mother. Um, challenges him and, um, is more direct at times, but, um, no, that was, that was very powerful. Yes. Well,
1: what, what do you guys make of the, uh, fly me to the moon? It's, it's really the only English he's going to speak in this other than a, an occasional word. And he took the time to learn the entire song in English. Um, is it just, this gift to Maurice that I spent the time to learn this? Or are we to derive something else from that?
2: Yeah, I, I wondered when I saw that, so I, I have not spent much time in Korea, just a few days. Um, <laughs> but I I believe that there's a lot of overlap between um, hobbies and, and activities and outings between Korea and Japan. So. I, I I sensed that probably in his life, probably hanging out with his work friends or his just friends or growing up, it's probably a really popular song to sing in um, karaoke. And so I I have the the image that maybe it's one of his favorite, maybe it's one of his favorite ones in Japan. It's it's a really popular song, mm. um, to sing. And so I I just my my, um, notion was just that he he knew the song from singing it. Um, in his life, but then he he and then he knew what the words meant, um, or at least the "I love you" part, or, or the "kiss me, daddy" part. You know, <laughs> he just he's he's doing his best somehow that he can to um, show his emotion that that he feels, which is fantastic because it's so funny at the at the beginning when like Jacob's point, he says, you know, what do you want? And then they're like pork chops, you know, and <laughs> or like a milkshake, you know, and 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 you know, for sure we see from Maurice's stern demeanor that he's really ready to to defend himself. And he actually lays it out, you know, later, but he kind of thinks that maybe they're just there, really just to meet him. And and um whatever it is about Maurice or about maybe hearing stories growing up you know if we can can explicate that much that um um his son really admires and looks up to his dad so much that he wants to express this emotion that he's been feeling um for him you know cuz he he was excited when he told um bang to you know put the is now a good time let's put the tape in let's i really want to sing this song for my dad you know and he, that was something he'd really been looking forward to and and me too, like Jacob said, I still feel it. You know, the the family is giving and giving and giving and trying their hardest just to get Maurice to understand why they're there and what they want, and he just can't get past the fact that you know, at that for most of the episode, that they are their circle is too far away from his circle and what he had hoped for a Christmas gift, you know, and um and that that stern face that he has when his son sings those lines and you know you just look like you know this is early 90s tv and and Maurice is so conservative and you know and you just see that look that he just thinks who is this guy and how can I get him out of my life almost
0: Barney you had shared a few uh, questions with us um mm-hmm before the episode that I thought were really good. And I was wondering if we could delve into those. Um and uh, did you and Ken already touch on the the idea of why um they chose the Christmas episode to give Maurice a family?
2: Not exactly we just happened to mention in passing the very first scene where Christmas where uh Maurice is talking to Chris saying that um you know sometimes around Christmas time you feel like an outsider if you don't have a family. But um yeah, thinking about that in, in preparation for today, uh, you know, when we were going to watch this episode and talk about it, I thought they could have done this episode anytime. It didn't have to be Christmas. And and I, I actually don't have any real good idea about the answer to this question. So I was, I'm more curious to hear what you guys think.
0: Ken, do you have any thoughts on that one?
1: Well, yeah. Um... When I was pondering it, um, because this episode deals with a hint of Christianity, a hint, you know, these various hints of uh, cultural uh, celebrations for holidays, um, I tried in my own mind to make this somewhat akin to the uh, Christians uh, celebration of the birth of Jesus. You know, these people traveled a long distance. Um It's certainly a gift. Uh, The gift, um, like Jesus's, was met in many circles with trepidation and rejection. Um, But in this particular case, in the end, acceptance became real and acceptance became not only real, but became uh, a loving real. Um, So that's where the question took me. Whether they intended this or not is is certainly up to debate.
0: Wow, I think that's really insightful. Yeah, because if you look at the story of Jesus, um, there was misunderstanding around his birth and uh, um, how people viewed his family. Um, You know, Mary um, conceived Jesus. Um, immaculately or uh, very in a very special way through the um, intervention of the Holy Spirit. And so it took Joseph a while to understand the purpose in that. He had dreams and then eventually, you know, he gets to the place where he can um, be supportive. And then um, it's just it, it's interesting to think about, yeah, the the journey um, that Maurice goes on. it takes him a while. Um, but the signs are all there that this is genuine and, and, mm-hmm. um, the, the love is there and it takes him a while to open up to it, but then he does. And I, I think that's a great insight, Ken. And mm-hmm. you're right. The, the part about the journey, they, they traveled so far to get there. Uh, that's, that's fantastic. And one more time, Barney, what, what is the title of the episode?
2: Uh, soulmates.
0: Soulmates. So, ah, okay. So it doesn't necessarily, um tie in with christmas directly it's more the connection of of how maurice uh, knew the mother of his child through korea i see okay mm-hmm. um but is there a a play on i mean i mean it's probably not the case per se but you know soul being a spiritual element to it i don't know i mean i know it's spelled soul as in um korea but um is it playing off the word soul is there some spiritual aspect of this episode with it being there's a lot unpacked in this episode related to spirituality and and faith in a in a subtle way and it's kind of interesting that that word is nodded to indirectly um but um yeah uh did did you feel barney as you as you saw that did you feel like it worked them introducing the family during christmas
2: yeah and then especially exactly especially what can just um, unpacked for us, then it all kind of really. I I can see a lot of great symbolism that they're representing and um, related to Christmas and and the holiday and uh, the story. And then when Ken was speaking, I had the idea. I wonder if um, kind of in a way, Shelley is kind of narrating the story a little bit as um, in. In her story, she's missing Christmas so much. And when we see her talking about Christmas, she's talking about little aspects of Christmas, like piece by piece. And I'm thinking about um, the part where she is setting up her nativity. And um, she's talking about the wise men and about bringing gifts. And um, and, and now now I can see that maybe you know, with the connection of um, uh, Maurice's family traveling, that they could really be representing, you know, um, this, you know, the Holy Family in a way. And, um, you know, we don't know, um, you know, we don't know anything about, um, you know, Bang bang came without his mom, you know, so we all have um, single solitary parents here that are being represented. And um, it really does kind of, Make us think of a less traditional family and less traditional beginnings to the family and wondering uh, about that. And, and yeah, when I hear that, and, and then also the idea, you know, of course, when we hear soulmates, our first idea is, is thinking of that connection, um, that, you know, the common phrase of someone being a soulmate or sharing, sharing, um, feeling a connection through your soul with someone. And, um, I, I can now see that it's really, feels uh, incredibly appropriate that they gave him his family in the Christmas episode and not on just some other general episode, because the title could have, could have worked anytime, but then using it as the Christmas episode um, really does really have a lot of extra meaning. I think thanks, thanks to hearing what your responses.
1: It would be so amazing to somehow reach out to the writers of that Emmy winning episode and say, These two gentlemen have a podcast and (laughs) we really try to, in our own way, put ourselves in your brain (laughs) and just to have them here to, especially this episode, say Mm -hmm. come together and are we reaching too far? (laughs) Right.
2: (laughs) Yeah, this is is just an aside, but, Part of me sometimes did think about the episode where Chris is getting his um, master's degree and where his one professor accuses him of kind of reaching it too far and putting too much meaning in something that didn't belong there so <laughs> but, but I think in our case I think in our case that that we were probably um, I think that you know this is an earlier episode and I think that they really did write a lot of meaning into yeah. this episode intentionally.
0: So. That is a good point though Bar- uh, Barney because I I know that the one episode um I think it was last time we were really delving in to Jung um and uh you know maybe maybe some of the depths of the the comparisons we're making were not there but you know it's still kind of fun to push it out is yep. you know to the nth degree to see well what if you apply this idea to this part of the episode or that part of the episode <laughs> You know, sometimes you see interviews with famous directors or screenwriters, and they'll tell them about a fan theory or a fan question. They're like, yeah, you know, the fans are very creative. Sometimes they come up (laughs) with things that we had never thought of, but that's the beauty of art. You know, there's all this um, freedom to interpret it in different ways. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah,
1: well, it, it certainly changed a lot of the way I watched these in preparations for what. you guys do you know i'm thinking like uh when um when she was sort of angry at maurice and expressing her sadness maurice was poised up here in his library looking down on her and you know my mind goes to still he wants that position of superiority and maybe it was not intended at all but um maybe it was But I do think those things because of the way we dive into these yeah
2: yeah it's a good point because it it did the episode that scene does start where he's just sitting at at his lonely desk drinking tea you know when he could be drinking tea with his family and then yeah and then he gets up and and exactly goes to that higher point um in his study right but yeah, I liked that um I I from the few people from Korea that I have met in the time I've spent a um, few days in Korea and then of course you know there are people from Korea here in Japan and observing how their family dynamic works um it's it's not unusual for the mother especially the grandma to um, speak her mind and um, let someone know when they're they're being rude you know in a way and kind of get everything cleared and 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 um um kind of out in the open and, and what a great thing it was that she did that mm-hmm. um, that finally led to Maurice you know understanding putting everything together that he had learned especially through Chris and and um, bringing us to um uh back to the brick where he and and his son are are sharing you know some time together just some father-son time and how great it is that to see them connect with you know actions and and words you know c- cognates you know words that that kind of sound similar so that they can they can put together what a little bit of each other's background and and um you know here's her his son who who we still see loves and respects his dad and wants to challenge him to mm-hmm. to um in arm wrestling and, and then there's you know y- you see on um in other books and plays and other movies and tv shows and whatnot that that moment where, um, you know, the dad and the son are, are seeing, you know, who, who is more superior, and and is this the moment when the the son kind of takes over? But no, Maurice is still, still wins. is still stronger, right? He <laughs> can't you can't beat your dad, you can't beat your old man that easily. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, and and the and to give Maurice the appeasement of being able to feel for that moment that this. This, this young man is a man's man in some regards, as he, as he shouts out over the brick, he's an engineer. <laughs>
0: that was a special moment when mm-hmm. they were just the two of them together, and Maurice is learning about him, and his profession, and his personality, and his sense of humor, and he's admiring him, and becomes proud of him, and that is a very special moment because the son also can tell in Maurice's response that his father is is appreciating him and accepting him. And um, I love that moment. That was one of my favorite moments of the episode, their, their time there uh, sitting across the table together. Um, well, um, another really interesting part of the story, as you said, Barney, relates to Shelley and her... Um, longing for a certain Christmas traditions that she had growing up of going to mass, and for her that's something that um makes Christmas especially meaningful and um we see that the there throughout the episode there's all these different traditions you know there's this storyline of of Joel with the Christmas tree, and should he have one or shouldn't he have one? And then there's all of the parts of the tradition surrounding the raven and the telling of the story of uh, the raven bringing the the ball of light you know to the world and um uh, i guess um i would love to spend a little time with your question that you sent us before we started recording of like what are christmas traditions that that we value personally and then maybe we can make some connections with ones that we see in the episode if that's okay so um while you guys are thinking, do you mind if I start? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, One of the traditions that we have at our house, that's very special is um, we decorate the Christmas tree. And uh, every year, it's one of my favorite things that we do, (laughs) The typically the weekend after Thanksgiving, we go to Lowe's and pick out our Christmas tree. And then we come back home. And Micah and Aubrey and Hannah will get out decorations that we've collected over the years, some of the decorations going back to Katie and my childhood, things that we got from our parents Mm -hmm. and things that we used to hang on the tree, now our kids are hanging on the tree, but then also so many decorations that they've made over the years uh, or or that they've picked out and so it's we put on christmas music and katie and i normally sit and what we first we put on the lights we mount the tree we put on the lights and then we sit back and we watch the kids decorate the tree and so mm-hmm. um this is what they they did this year these are pictures from this year and it was so meaningful and it's so interesting too for the pets they get really excited there's our dog jojo and she's she's just right there watching everything and then our cat bam bam afterward just loves to be near the tree and sleep on the uh i'm trying to think the skirt of the tree mm-hmm, <laughs> so mm-hmm. so um just uh it is very unique that tradition and it's one of my favorites and um I know we can make some connections to the episode um, related to trees, but I just wanted to share one more real quick and then I'll stop sharing my screen. And this is a tradition I share with Ken every year. Uh, For Christmas Eve, we always wear the same tie. Okay. We've been doing this year after year after year. And it's just something I actually look forward to. It seems like a small thing, maybe, but it's so fun. Um, The only thing is, if you observe closely, Mm -hmm. in Ken's version of the tie, Joseph Hmm. is wearing a green cloak. And Great. in my version of the tie, um, Joseph is wearing a red cloak. So, you know, you've got some subtle changes there, but, but it's just so fun um, as a tradition each year to to do that. So um, those were a couple that I wanted to share with you guys. So
1: Great. It didn't make my list, Jacob, but um, the fact that you've kept ornaments through the years. Yeah, I've got a couple from elementary school that um, somehow made it through the years and it's it, it's fun to open that little plastic crate and just start looking at those and before they even make it to the tree. So um, I think your kids are really going to look back on this with great fondness. That, that looked great.
2: Yeah, It's funny how um, ornaments especially are are such artifacts and, and such kind of memory keepers. And um, yeah, I certainly have so many associations with the ornaments that we have back home in Ohio. And, um, I remember giving, um, an, a card to, um, Iaco, you know, early on when we were dating, you know, maybe partway through, um, our time dating and, and the card, um, like became, you could punch it out and it would become an ornament and thinking that, you know, one day maybe we'll have this for our tree. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the future and, um, yeah, we're just getting started with, with our kind of ornament, um, nativity, our ornament narration that we have here story uh, that the ornaments tell about our lives. Um, but that was one that, that I, I really thought that maybe, um, was pointing, pointing to something. And, um, I think for me, the, the biggest thing, um, Christmas wise is always the music, you know, I always am so excited and always look forward to Advent season when, when we can sing um, all of the songs that I remember uh, Mm -hmm. growing up. And, and here, um, here in Japan, uh, when I when I go to the Yachio Bible Baptist Church that we have here, um, uh, it's kind of like, if, if you, if you're not there, you know, you'll miss it, you know, (laughs) we only do each hymn about, you know, since there's a structure to the worship service that we only do each hymn one time, you know, throughout the Advent season. So if you weren't there that Sunday or if if you weren't paying close enough attention, you know, really soaking it in, then you'll miss that. And then you think, oh, man, I was looking forward to that hymn and I had to wait. You know, maybe we'll get to it again on Christmas Eve service, but I've got to wait another (laughs) year maybe. (laughs) Um, and and there were a lot of hymns that that I always loved um, that we sang um, when I was little. But that maybe we don't have time to fit in to the um, the the, serv- the Advent services here, um, especially as some some hymns that we sing here are different from what I'm used to in um, from what I heard growing up. And and then that kind of makes me uh, think about the other question that I had related to Christmas and traditions. Um, were there new traditions or um other traditions that are unfamiliar to you like like what the raven tradition is for us that that you have experienced in your life and um and again i can i can go um first while you guys are maybe thinking about that um the the first one that i really ran into was when i was in thailand in in um 2 the christmas of o2 02 in 2002 and um that was when some some girl that I knew there, she she said, um, oh, it's Christmas Eve. Did you want to um go out and and hang out today? And I was like, well, wait a minute, what about your family? <laughs> you know? And and she's she's like, What? No, this is a time where people, where couples get together and go out. And um, and it must be something that um expands throughout um Asia because um it's the same tradition here. In Japan, where Christmas Eve is is a time for people to, you know, make a reservation at a really nice restaurant and, you know, order the set meal and you know the, the not multiple course meal together and and get together as couples, um, and instead of families and and even the in going back to Thailand, even the family that I lived with, um, in homestay they were Christians, but both of them were pastors even. And for them, Christmas morning was just, it's just another day. Um, There there weren't nearly the tradition or the expectation that is surrounded with, you know, the preparation and the excitement. Of course, you know, they understand the importance of Christmas and and what it means. Uh, But uh, the celebration that that we have connected with it in the US wasn't there. Um, And yeah, and then those those were the first those were some of the things that that especially stuck out um, to me that that were different that um, that I hadn't ever been exposed to but um, uh, but I can see really nice things um, to uh, to take take away from those experiences especially um, you know maybe thinking of Christmas as a time to focus on um, you know how it is that you became a family in the first place you know to really. Give a lot of um, extra emphasis to to your spouse or to the person that's that's dearest to you, um, in that way. And um, I remember uh, we had someone from the Philippines even at our church at Antioch, and and um, uh, Kimiaki Sensei, the pastor there, he he asked her about Christmas in the Philippines, and she also said that that it's not so um, emphasized, um, and that. Um, people there at her Baptist church said that, um, you're supposed to think of Christmas as being every day. And so then, then the celebration is, um, supposed to be an ongoing thing in that way. So that was, that was, um, different coming from the same tradition, but thinking about Christmas in, in different ways. And, and I, I, you know, in, in the show, you know, um, probably Shelley was probably feeling a lot of the, the same thing that she expressed so many times, how she likes the Ravens and she likes being around there in the Christmas season. But there's, there's that, that certain way that she's used to Christmas that, that she longed for the most. And, um, and then maybe even in a way, you know, kind of what I was just saying, you know, hauling gives her that wonderful gift, um, at the very end. And, you know, we know that John Cullum is, um, uh, you know, he, we don't see him on TV or in movies very much because he spent a lot of his career on stage. Broadway, and Yeah. So he really is an accomplished singer. And that was wonderful that they could use that, that talent of his in, in that way. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm sure that probably he was feeling a lot when he was singing that for her um, during the filming too.
1: Yeah, that was very poignant. Uh, if I could back up just a little bit to, to the previous question about uh, Christmas traditions, and Barney, I'm, I'm hoping that as you grew up, Worcester Mennonite Church, that, that you got to experience this. For me, there, there's just no moment like the end of uh, the church service. <clears throat> Doesn't matter um, as to the composition of the rest of the service. But when, um, when Jacob has us all encircle the entire sanctuary uh, for Silent Night, for me, there's just no moment like that. There's no other moment like that. Um, I always look around at each face because there, there's such an expression of, of joy, togetherness, um, family standing uh, apart sometimes together. For me, that, that little tradition um, is just so touching. Um, one other thing, Barney, I wanted to address that I found interesting that you mentioned about a person from the Philippines. Angie and I had a friend from the OERDC from the Philippines, Mary Ann. It was interesting what she said about the Christmas season. She said, you must come because where I live, it is a month-long celebration Unlike anything here that I've seen in the United States. So the, the contrast there I, I found interesting from what you said.
2: Yeah. I why I, I would love to, see, to have the chance to see that hearing her the way that she described it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. and, and
1: maybe I can, you know, get something to you via faith, mm-hmm. friends there. And you
2: know. yeah. Yeah. Interesting about. Silent Night, how it's—you um, know—to get too sidetracked, but it's—it's it's such an old and traditional song, and and we've sung it so many times. But yeah, like you say, there are certain aspects of of the season that um, uh, we kind of see with um, Holland singing, and of course, in our uh, own own experiences, that that the power of of hymns and songs that they can have mm-hmm. for us and in, in relating to this.
0: One thing that was very unique about last year's singing of Silent Night is that Yachio Bible Baptist Church sent us a video of them singing Silent Night. So we were able to play that video and then respond and sing Silent Night ourselves. And it just was so special because as Ken said, it is always a very intimate, unique part of the service where we look at each other, but then in doing it in that way, it's like we were looking at each other but we're also celebrating our connection with this uh, community of believers across the world and it just enlarged that circle that's standing mm-hmm. around the room now to include these brothers and sisters in japan and that was very special and I, I remember as a child always liking when we'd sing silent night in the service in the church where i grew up because we turn off down the lights and have candles and so we kind of continued to do that tradition here at Worcester Mennonite with digital candles. And so it's still um, very special, I think, for for children, not only to see each other um, in the circle, but to to hold that little light and to think about Jesus and like he is the light in our darkness. He's the light of the world. And to stand around and to do that together is very meaningful. Yeah, I would think
1: Shelley would, would identify with that moment totally because of what she was reaching to try to touch and grab.
0: There's something else too that I was thinking of that might be meaningful. We have this tradition at Worcester Mennonite that we talked about last year with Ken, and that tradition involves um, providing meals for our community. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I love. We had not done that growing up in the church that I had been in, but uh, Worcester Mennonite developed this tradition uh, a number of years back, thanks to Lori Thomas and several other Uh, generous volunteers who had this idea, but to give people a hot meal and a place to be on Christmas Mm -hmm. Eve where they can experience community um, is so rich and meaningful. And it was so important to us that as you see in these pictures, we even did it one year in our parking lot during the intense Mm -hmm. period of the pandemic, where we couldn't have people in the building, but we still wanted to keep the tradition going. And so it was important to be able to, um, to still offer something. But this year we're excited to be able to mm. offer it in the building again and mm. this is a picture of what it looks like when we do that uh, we're going to have uh, music from uh, jen Kinbaum and jeremy clevenger they're generous to share their talents and um, volunteers from our church and sometimes volunteers even from the community i don't know if we'll have mm. volunteers in the community this year uh, but it's, it's so special to have that opportunity and then to just connect with people in the community um, and serve them, get to know them, and enjoy the the time together. And so this is one of those very special traditions unique to Worcester Mennonite Church, but I'm so grateful to have been brought into this tradition and to be a part of the church as we do that.
2: Yeah, One one thing I I realized about this episode, trying to to look at it as a whole, is um, I think in the end, um, everyone gets some gift, that um maybe it wasn't what they thought that they wanted. Maybe it wasn't thought what they thought that they needed, but everyone ends up getting the right gift that that for them. You know, Joel Joel thought maybe the gift that he wanted was a Christmas tree. I think it was just the experience of what it's like to have a tree. Mm-hmm. And then he realized that it wasn't it wasn't for him. What what was he said? What did he say? You scratch the surface and there's a matzo ball or something. <laughs> <laughs> And, and Maggie thought that the gift that she wanted was to not have to see her family, you know, if it was by injuring herself or however means necessary. And, and then when she didn't get to see her family um, over the season, she, she realized that it wasn't the gift that she wanted at all, but then Joel ends up giving her the right gift. And, um, you know, Shelly thought that maybe the gift that she wanted was, was just you know, um, being able to spend time at church, you know, before going to the Raven pageant. She's still ready to go to the Raven pageant, but, you know, Hauling Hauling gave her, you know, the the deep love that we already know that they share. He ends up giving her the gift that she wanted. And and Marie says at the beginning of the show, how much he wanted that gift of a family. And and he didn't think that he got the right one, but he did get the right gift, Yeah, Yeah. and And I, I don't know, what do you guys think about Chris? Um, the one line for chris that that always sticks with me is when he talks about when he stayed up and heard his dog talk mm. and then he doesn't say what what it was that 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 he said you know of course but um that that part always sticks with me because I don't quite know that that kind of monologue that he has at the end I, I can't quite get at what they i know that there's something deeper meaning in what what he gives us but How did you guys respond uh, to that? Did that stick out to you um, in any special way?
1: Well, to me, I kind of saw it as um, Chris alluding to the magic of Christmas, um, which can be a different magic for you and for Jacob and for the rest of the world. But yet, here's hoping your dog talks. I'll just bring this in briefly. Um, because you know everyone receives certain right gifts in this program. Um, I thought the scene it was brief, the scene uh, with Ruth Ann, uh, where she declared herself an atheist and and then said, you know, in a next breath, oh, I believe in a supreme being. It's just that she so we we get that uh, you know <laughs> it was kind of an aside, but yet there's something there.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm yeah um yeah ruthanne is always so interesting yeah and and that that comment is was very good too and and of course in a few episodes in a few seasons later you know the the one i'm thinking of when um maurice is trying to get ostriches to lay eggs for him that um she, she mentions that it saves her so much time for um making food for the church so you know she's still, some some part of her she's still going to church you know even though the supreme being that she believes in <laughs> yeah,
1: and but, how appalled she is at the cutting down of trees to trees <laughs> in a living
2: in breathing where they live yes right <laughs> Where they're surrounded by trees <laughs> yeah i got that oh, too.
0: Yeah, it's interesting when you boil down some of the unique things that are really valued by the individuals in the episode surrounding Christmas, like returning to Shelley's story, she says Mass, going to the Mass with that experience, but then at the end of the episode, when Holling sings Ave Maria for her and he has candles lit, that um, is enough of the experience of like the core of the, whatever the essence or that thought um, that reminds her of the mass, the fact that he would decorate that space, create that space, that holy mm-hmm. moment for her when she comes in and he would sing that song that would be so central to that um, tradition she was raised in, uh, that that she would be very moved. And I don't know, it's it's interesting, like sometimes it's it's subtle, but like the thing that means so much to us can be Expressed just by somebody who loves us in a way that's very simple, but it can have great meaning. It doesn't always have to be that you get the exact thing that you were thinking of in its fullness, but even a small gesture, a small expression of that. And um, I, th- I thought that was a very touching part of the story. That he did what he could, and that was enough. That that was very meaningful to her. Um, so um, and maybe some of the things that we mentioned earlier like um I was talking about the children decorating the tree well even if we didn't have a tree to decorate if you boil it down it's, the t- it's doing something meaningful with the family you know <laughs> um, and so sometimes the traditions we have there's a deeper core of which is just the central part uh, that we really appreciate and um Barney you you had asked earlier too about um, things that we have experienced that were outside of what we're used to and Kind of having new meaning. Um, well, I didn't grow up in a liturgical church, but um, Katie had this practice. She grew up in the Methodist church, and they had used um, an Advent wreath throughout the season of Advent, and each week, um, different member of the family would light a different candle, and there would be a scripture reading and a prayer that would go along with that until finally you reach Christmas, and and at that part, you know, all the candles are lit, and um, we started doing that in our family. And that's a really interesting tradition, kind of going back again, like we said earlier, the idea of light and um, the story being told It's a reminder of Jesus being light in our life. And um, it was just some of these practices are so uh, inspiring and meaningful. And even how light is talked about in the episode in the story of the Raven, light being such an important part of of, um, a symbol of hope and of life that we all can appreciate.
1: And the fact that they, they chose to do a full-on production of the uh, Raven pageant at the end. Yes, yes. And, you know, panning the faces out there again brought for me the memory of you know, Silent Night on Christmas Eve because mm. that was their Silent Night moment mm. as, as audience to this incredible story that was so well done.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I also thought I I... I bet for sure that that what they're showing us is the genuine, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, what um, ceremonial that that they would do, and um, and a few times I thought, I thought, I wonder, you know, how would this episode be received today? Because the things that the episode talks about and and shows us, and um, you know, the time that they spend on these different traditions was very daring back then even but it was just masterfully done and it's this artwork that we end up with that really should you know sadly it's it's still unavailable by streaming people don't get around to you know getting the dvds even though they're out there you know (laughs) and it's really something for people to see and and really open themselves up to in relation to um the the christmas season and i I wonder if maybe the writers were thinking themselves, you know, how many of us watching have a little bit of Maurice in us and um, are going to be a little reluctant to see an episode about ravens um, when we're expecting to see Christmas trees and um, Christmas carols and things like that. Mm -hmm. And and they show us that, yeah, there's a lot else to be appreciated, a lot of other things about Christmas that, that maybe we have to. Think about um in terms of ourselves too we want to say again that we're so thankful for you joining us today and um sticking with us as as we talked about this episode from northern exposure in the third season i believe called soulmates and we hope that if especially if you've seen the episode that Maybe you gain some new insights uh, to the show, the story that that we did as well today, while watching it again and even talking about it now. And uh, we hope that maybe it makes you puts you in mind of the reasons why you appreciate or the things about this season that you find that you um, appreciate or look forward to or hang on to. And um, and again, as as we saw at the end of the episode, the idea of light and light being hope and light being something that we should share with all those around us and uh, we hope that you will continue tuning in with us as we talk about different topics and as we have another northern exposure episode to talk about in in a few weeks time as well and so i am barney and we're very grateful to have ken with us today and of course jacob too and we always appreciate you being with us and we look forward to the next episode and hope that you will too let's see you next time